Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, Mabel. Hi, Sarah. Let's just start with a little check-in life update. What's going on these days? Well, let's see. We're at this last day of August. We're coming around to autumn here. That's wild. Totally wild. We're like on the other side of the year from when your little man was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's seven and a half months now. So more than the other side of the year. Yeah. And um, your little dudes are officially no longer babies. No way. They're definitely little dudes. Wild. Wild little dudes. <laughs> and you. And wild little preteen five-year-old. <laughs> Um, I read something today about how maybe it was in Chinese tradition, I don't remember what culture it was, but there's sort of an in-between season between summer and fall when it's not quite the equinox yet. Yeah, it was one of those Instagram things that you just see in passing and I didn't do any research or investigate how true it was, but it definitely feels true. Like there's something, Mm -hmm. we're not quite summer, we're definitely Mm -hmm. not autumn. It's this like weird, long, drawn out transition yeah, phase. Totally. I feel like there's, I've noticed pretty much since we've lived here up in upstate New York, there's like a very specific day hmm. where like I, I, I feel it in the wind. Like the wind changes mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, autumn is coming. Like I can just feel it. There's like this really distinct shift. And I feel like I felt that like last week when I was like, oh, it's here. Yeah, I think and it was it, last week I started to smell it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like, there's been so many hot days since then, but like, still, it's just like, it's, it's on its way. It's like a sailboat, like coming. It's <laughs> a nice image. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's like it's coming, and I love autumn so much. It's like such a, I mean, the fullness and like the intensity of the summer is so special. But I feel like autumn is such a like sigh of relief for me mm. especially after like all the farm season i mean we still have more harvest to do but there's something about it that feels like yeah, a relief we're almost there yeah no more like beginnings of projects or right it's like wrapping up yeah hopefully projects are always beginning here <laughs> yes that is also true yes which actually uh do you want to talk about some of our things coming up that we're planning on doing? Yeah, so I guess this is also a transition season for Catskills Birth Collective. We've been taking a break for farm season and the busyness of having three toddlers and a little baby. But now we're hoping to step back into it one of these days soon. Yeah. Gracefully and gradually. Mm -hmm. And realistically. Mm -hmm. Trying to set goals that we can maintain, attain. So we're planning on starting up some village prenatals, which will be in person 
Yay! Yay! In Kingston at our dear, dear friend Jennifer Meta's acupuncture studio. So we're really, really excited about that. Crane Acupuncture, I think, is the name of her yes. business. And so if you're a local lady listening to this podcast, we want to meet you. Yes, please. Come find us. Come hang out and drink tea and hang out with other pregnant ladies. We can bring some moon chocolate. Yeah, we'll bring some snacks, talk about all the juicy, wonderful things. And the challenging... Scratchy things. <laughs> Scratchy things. Scratchy yes. things is the opposite of juicy. <laughs> Scratchy. Oh, that's funny. Um, and what else are we planning on doing? Uh, let's see, the free two-hour course. We're planning on doing one in Brooklyn at some point mm -hmm. this fall, hopefully. Mm -hmm. The two-hour indie birth workshop. Right, birth blueprint or something like something that. Something like that. And then I think we might do one up here as well. Yeah, maybe one online too, just and for good measure. Online. Yes, and then we're also planning on putting, kind of restructuring the format of the childbirth education class into pre-recorded videos um, so people can sign up at any time. And then we'll have like monthly check-ins for anyone who's in the course so we can have some live, real-time connection. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out exactly what that format will look like, but yeah. restructuring That's the class so it's one idea. slightly more manageable because we have so much that we want to share and when we were putting together the live classes we had five, what was it, two-hour classes? Uh -huh. And there was just so much that we wanted to teach in two hours. Right. It wasn't it was really realistic, but hard to if you break it, it down into smaller pieces, it'll be more digestible for you. And, like you said, you know, it's sort of specific timing when someone would need this course, so it's nice to be able to have it offered continuously right. instead of just once or twice a year. Yeah, more accessible to mm -hmm. more people. Yeah, so... So that's what we're stepping into in the fall. Yeah, I'm excited. Feels good. Mm -hmm. Feels like perfect timing. Yeah, I've been taking a break from farm work since the baby was born, and it feels really nice to have this open space to figure out what I actually want to be doing. Sometimes I feel like I don't really want to be doing anything except for, like, making cheese and bread, <laughs> hanging out with the baby, but this is definitely work that I want to be doing. And I'm especially excited to be meeting real human people in real human connection. Because the internet is great, but COVID is over. <laughs> and I want to meet real humans. We are over COVID. Yes. Yes. Oh. Um, okay. Well, today we were planning on talking about the birth of Owen Wren Gillespie. Mm-hmm. That is his last name, right? That's his last name. Aw. I've never said his whole name before. Mm. Who is turning into such a cute little bubble of a so being. Cute. Oh my gosh. He's at this really special stage right now where like he's totally recognizing me and the mm -hmm. kids. So it's really exciting because like I can tell he's like excited to see us and he like wants yeah. to hang out with us and that's a really just a sweet feeling. 
And it's really sweet to see the kids with him. Like the other day, he and Noe took a bath together, and Noe was just so cute. I'm like, here, Owen, mm-hmm. you want this? Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like making sure he didn't get too splashy and didn't fall over in the bath. Mm-hmm. And I kept being like, all right, Noe, we're going to go to bed now. And Noe was like, no, but you could just stay in the bath. It's <laughs> <laughs> very yeah. sweet. It's very sweet the relationships that are beginning to form. I remember somebody saying, like, with every new child, at least in, like, a standard nuclear family, you know, like, the relationship between the mother and the father changes, and the relationship between the parent and the child changes, and Mm -hmm. if there's a sibling, and, you know, with us, because there's so many people here, it's like, there's so many new little connections that form, and, like... With every new child, like, a dozen relationships Mm -hmm. shift. Yeah. So that's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. And so many opportunities for friendship between them. Which yeah. Which is really sweet. And babysitters. And babysitters, <laughs> yes. Mayuna has, well, I don't know if you're referring to Mayuna, yeah. but it was so cute. The other day, our housemate, other housemate, her little boy was napping. She had to go run out to do an errand real quick. So I was watching the monitor for her while I was trying to do some bookkeeping stuff for the farm. And he woke up, and I brought him upstairs, and I was like, Hey, Maya, you want to babysit Simaka? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. And so mm-hmm. her and her little friend Sabina just, like, hung out with him, and, you know, she likes to pick him up, and then they got out all their pillows and their blankets and, like, made this snuggly little bed <laughs> with him, and it was so cute. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can put that picture out as the, uh, well, maybe we should use Olin. Anyways, we'll put that picture somewhere because we'll it's very adorable. But, yeah, it's amazing, you know, like, at five years old, how she's definitely capable of some level of babysitting. Yeah. It's really nice. And then I had like an extra 20 minutes to do my work. So. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. So. It's a podcast we should have recorded seven and a half months ago. <laughs> Better late than ever. Yeah. But I'm sure it'll be different now than it would have been then. Yeah. I think you had lots of time to reflect mm-hmm. um, so I don't know I guess it's I think it's always a little bit fuzzy to try to figure out where exactly a birth begins mm-hmm. well I was thinking the last episode we did about pregnancy I don't think we got to the part where my belly was measuring small and there was all that whole mm. kerfuffle mm-hmm. so right. maybe we can start with that yeah for sure um so, if you haven't listened to that other episode, I don't remember what it's called, and I don't remember what number it is, but you can find it back there somewhere. Probably five or six. Yeah. Um, and so, I had a fairly normal pregnancy up until this point. Mm-hmm. I was seeing a midwife who, I don't feel like we saw eye to eye necessarily, but we were both able to understand and respect each other's positions, which I can see now was maybe not the best choice, mm-hmm. but it was a good learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so she frequently in the prenatal care was like, would you like to do blood pressure or do you want to weigh yourself today or do you want to do this test and here's all the reasons that I would want to do it and most of the time I would just say no thank you. And I appreciated like my student midwife brain appreciated the ways that she challenged me on it for the sake of study. Like she would say, do you know why you don't want to do this? 
And most of the time I could articulate it and I was like, yeah, I know stuff. <laughs> but sometimes I just, I didn't want to have to explain myself. Like, I don't feel like doing this and I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I know I could have said that, but that just wasn't quite the dynamic that we had going. Mm. Um, and so I think the only routine thing that we were doing, she was listening to the baby with a fetoscope and measuring my belly. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was around 36 weeks. Do you remember? I'm trying to remember. That seems like... 35, 36 weeks? Yeah, I think it was about that. I was measuring like two centimeters smaller than mm -hmm. I should have been. That was in quotes. You can't see that, but <laughs> <laughs> should have in quotes. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole time everyone was like, oh my God, your belly is so small. Are you mm -hmm. even pregnant? It was very irritating to me. Mm -hmm. But up until that point, I'd been measuring more or less consistent with the weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so at that point, she commented on it and didn't seem alarmed necessarily. Maybe just like... You know, her ears pricked up a little bit, I'm sure. Like, this mm -hmm. is something to keep watch for. Mm -hmm. um, and then as the next two or three weeks went on, I didn't really get that much bigger. I think in two weeks I was one centimeter bigger, so by 37 or 38 weeks I was like 35 centimeters. Maybe-ish. <laughs> I don't remember. And at that point she started to talk about why this could be happening and what I could do and all the various testing options and for a second there it threw me for a loop for sure it's like what if this baby is not growing uh. I definitely had some concerns because I'm a vegetarian and thinking like what if this baby isn't getting all the nutrients that it needs or mm -hmm. I just I didn't want to drink water for a while there so I was like maybe I'm just dehydrated and don't have enough fluid um, yeah, so we sort of went back and forth on that. She was not really pushing for anything, but just suggesting that I could do this and saying that at this point being whatever it was, 35 centimeters at 38 weeks is definitely beyond normal. Hmm. And so I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. I don't know if I had a dream. I think I was just freaking out in the middle of the night at one point, like, oh my hmm. God. There's something wrong with this baby. Mm. Not to mention, I mean, I don't know how related this was or how, maybe this is where you're getting to, but all the previous dreams that you've had of having mm. still. Yeah, that's true. I had, mm. have had a few dreams of having stillbirth, one dream, one sort of vision situation. And I, at the time, it wasn't necessarily like, this is going to happen, this is you. It was just something that I was experiencing or seeing for reasons beyond my knowing but that yeah that was sort of part of it and at the same time I felt him moving all the time mm -hmm. and like in my heart I was not concerned about him mm. really mm -hmm. it was just when I got into my head and started thinking about what could happen because of what science reasons and <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's such a I'm glad that you were able to distinguish between those two yeah so at one point you know three in the morning pregnancy not sleeping just like oh my god what happens if this baby never moves again and I should have listened to the midwife and blah 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 and that when the sun started to come up I was started to just think about it really clearly like what okay so what are the options here I could get an ultrasound and if I get an ultrasound they 
might say that everything's fine. In all likelihood, they'll say everything's fine. Deep down, I know that they'll say everything's fine, and mm -hmm. I don't really want an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. Or they could say, your fluid's a little low. In which case, I would say, great, thanks for that information. I'll drink more water. <laughs> so I don't really need an ultrasound for that. Mm -hmm. Or they could say, your baby's a little small. And I could say, okay, like, dangerously small. And in all likelihood, they'd say, no, just a little small. And I'd say, okay, that was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. And there's just only a very, very small likelihood that anything would be seriously wrong. And if that were the case, what would I do? Probably mm -hmm. nothing different. Mm -hmm. If the baby was not growing, if the baby was, you know, if there was something wrong with it that couldn't be fixed at this point, there's probably nothing that I would do differently. I would just continue to wait until it was born, and then either it would be alive or it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I called the midwife and basically walked that through with her verbally. Mm. And I felt pretty fine about it. Like, all right, this is the way it is. The baby's probably fine, and if it's not fine, then it's not fine, and we'll find out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, there's not much you can do for a small baby. Tea break. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not super, super clear in my mind going over scenarios like this in school, but I think something along the lines of, like, if there was something wrong with the baby and the option of, like, emergency cesarean, like, is the baby really going to be better off outside of your belly than inside your belly? I don't know. I guess there's so many unique scenarios. Yeah. And anyway. I was also just remembering... I don't, this is one of those things that I never really got clear on the specific science of it, but I definitely remember hearing and seeing that a lot of providers, usually it's obstetricians in hospital, will scare women, whether intentionally or just because they're scared about low fluid at a certain point. Usually it's like 38, 39 weeks and be like, oh, your fluid's low, let's mm -hmm. induce you, and how that's kind of a scam. I feel like Margot might have a blog post a scam because there's a very easy solution well because either there's a very easy solution or it's physiological because your baby is pretty big at this point mm. does it or interesting yeah good point because it's actually really hard to tell how do you know how much fluid someone has like even an ultrasound there could be hidden pockets mm. it's not that accurate mm. yeah let's 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 try to find that because i don't think i remember hearing about that specific those specific points mm -hmm. yeah I mean maybe a scam is too too harsh of a word but that a lot of women will be told Hype. that their fluid is low yeah and they should be induced mm -hmm. for that reason and that you know maybe we should think about that mm -hmm. a little bit more yeah other considerations mm -hmm. okay so three in the morning you got clear and then you called her and you were just like okay Yes, yeah. what's up? This is my... And she was on board with that? Yeah. I mean, the whole time when I felt clear on something, she was like, okay, this is the way you're going to do it. I'm mm -hmm. like sort of holding my hands up now in a gesture of surrender. That was kind of her thing. Mm -hmm. She was like, that's not what my preference would be, but that's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember just feeling very clear, like, if there's something seriously wrong with this baby and it dies, then this baby dies. That's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. It's the way the news goes, as they say. Yeah. 
that's definitely a strong, a deep place of detachment if you were like truly able to hold that. I mean, I'm sure if something had been wrong and he had died, it would be very difficult. But yeah. in that moment, I just, I felt that it, it would be okay mm -hmm. regardless. Yeah. And as far as like diet and nutrition and everything went, you felt like you were doing everything. Uh, well, there was, like you said, there was part of you that was wondering. Yeah, I mean, there's the vegetarian situation, which is an ongoing mm -hmm. question in my mind. Mm -hmm. Actually, I would say it's beyond a question at this point, but we'll get into that in a later episode. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I felt pretty good about it. I've never been great at drinking water, so that's mm -hmm. definitely something you could have done more of. Although I'm really liking it right now, I have these herbal vinegars mm. that I'm putting in my water, and it's so nice. Mm -hmm. You want to give a shout-out to that lady? Shout-out to Ariel D. Martinez. I forget. Subluna Botanicals is the name of her thing. Mm -hmm. She makes these vitamin nectars, and they're super yummy. Yeah. She's a cool lady. Okay. All right. Back on track. <laughs> so, we made it over that hurdle. I honestly do not remember the end of my pregnancy. <laughs> oh, I remember feeling like I was just getting into the groove of it. Like I'm, mm. I'm really starting to enjoy it now because the first, honestly, like the first trimester and a half were kind of sucky. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, now I'm at 39 weeks. Like I don't, I don't really want it to be over. Mm. I was, I was really enjoying it, and I wasn't. I didn't feel like some people describe themselves as like a whale or like just enormous and they well, couldn't you move. You definitely were not. Yeah, I've still felt reasonably spry and mm -hmm. which many people as were comfortable as on. one could expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people were commenting helpfully and some people were commenting not so helpfully. Yeah. As people do. Yeah, but I feel like the general gist was like, wow, Mabel just spring chicken, you know, like. I mean, I am 25. I know, I know, but just. You didn't seem, like, weighted down. No, I didn't feel like it. And I felt like I was fully prepared and sort of excited to go another, whatever, three weeks. Because mm -hmm. the whole time people would be like, oh, what are you doing? And I would say, you know, January. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, yeah, but what's your due date? And I would say, oh, January. Yes, you were very, very clear to not get anyone's hopes up about oh. a due date meaning anything. Mm-hmm. Which but is then, ironic. jokes on me, he was born right on his due date. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we had our, whatever that would be, I guess, 40-ish week midwife visit on Monday, I think? Monday the 10th? I don't know what week it was. Uh, we drove up there, and we stopped at this cafe, and I got a breakfast burrito on the way there. And... I really like the breakfast burritos from this place, but I remember just being like, I don't want to eat a breakfast burrito right now. <laughs> like, I'm kind of hungry, but not hungry. And there's definitely a part in the back of my brain that was like, you're going to go into labor soon. <laughs> like, I don't know what eating burritos has to do with anything, but something's changing. Mm -hmm. And I had not up to this point experienced any Braxton Hicks. I hadn't had any sensations that I could feel inside of my uterus oh but this last day my last day of my 39th week of pregnancy I could feel just like with my hands I could feel that my belly was getting hard wow interesting I never I, I never really knew that you never had any Braxton Hicks. yeah even as 
I could feel it. I was like, oh, uh-huh. that's a crazy feeling belly. Uh-huh. I didn't feel anything inside. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's connected, if there's any connection to what we'll get into later of like how your contractions were. I mean, I they could know. be totally unrelated, but I also just wonder. Yeah, it was definitely, I don't know how unusual it is not to experience Braxton Hicks, but I kind of felt like I was missing out, you know? Like mm-hmm. I wanted to experience mm-hmm. all the things so I could yeah. relate. Yeah, I definitely remember getting super, super excited about it. And like every time, like, oh, okay, something's happening. And then like a consistent buildup of intensity. And mm-hmm. then to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to practice going into this sensation right now. Because like way before labor, mm-hmm. they were often getting to the point where they were kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, let me practice with this little sensation of mm-hmm. going into it and really being present with it. Yeah, I had no practice. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So you didn't want to eat your breakfast burrito. Yeah, but I think I may have. I think Patrick made me. <laughs> Good job, Patrick. Yeah. That was up at that point. Aww. Um, we went to the midwife. Everything was whatever, normal, fine, same. Um, we came home. We had a farm meeting that day. I'm trying to remember that farm meeting. That's right. Here, pretty much where we're sitting, there used to be a bed, and you were sitting on the bed, and I was, like, organizing my books, because we were moving from one room to the other at that time. Yes, this room was your room. This room was our room, but I was moving up to the attic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had a farm meeting, and then I don't remember, something happened in the evening, probably dinner. Yeah, probably. And then we went to sleep. (laughs) And then at... mm, I don't know if I actually ever really went to sleep. I think I started having what just felt like cramps for a while, on and off, pretty shortly after going to bed. And I kind of slept, sort of slept through it. It's like asleep, but also awake at the same time. And at that point where you're like, okay, this is probably happening. Yeah, as soon as I lay down and I started to feel things, I was like, this is it. There's not going to be any, Mm -hmm. like, there's no going back from this point. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember being half asleep, and Patrick's dad had been in the hospital the Mm. past couple days. Mm. He had heart surgery, I think. Mm. It's very hard to remember this right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that night before we went to bed, he was talking about how he was worried about his dad and also about his stepmom because she was just she was like the only person there to care for him and she Mm. was driving back and forth from the hospital to her home and it was just a lot for her Mm. and I've never met either of these people Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I went to bed with that and I sort of sleepily sort of dreamily through tiny contractions like every time I was lying on one side and I felt this sensation I've some part of my brain was like I'm feeling this or like I'm going through this for Patrick's dad and then Hmm. I would lie on my other side because I was like maybe it'll be more comfortable on this side and then on that side I was going through it for his stepmom. So it went back and forth like that kind of dreaming maybe being aware that I was doing that Hmm. for a while until it just got too much to sleep through Mm -hmm. which was I don't know probably midnight. Everybody was asleep. Um yeah, and from the beginning, well, at least from I was when I was awake and aware of it, there was no, like, I have a contraction and then 
I go back to sleep or like hang out or think like, wow, I'm in labor, this is so exciting. It was just like have a contraction and then it sort of mostly goes away and then another one comes. <sighs> and like even I could feel, I mean, I've never felt someone's belly through multiple contractions. But when I was touching my own belly, I could feel that it never fully softened mm. the entire 12 hours. Oh my goodness. And I th don't know what that was about. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't my favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still wonder what that was about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe there was no Braxton Hicks in my uterus. was like, we gotta get it all done right now. Mm -hmm. No time to chill. I don't know. But things continued like that for a couple hours, getting stronger, not closer together because that was not possible, but definitely stronger. <laughs> um, I pooped oh, a lot, like so many times. Oh yeah, didn't you say going up and down the stairs was? Yeah, I, we, so we're staying in the attic, which is the bathrooms on the floor below. So I would go down the stairs and probably poop and have a contraction on the toilet and then get up and wash my hands and have a contraction at the sink. And then make it halfway up the stairs and have a contraction after like awkwardly kneel down on the stairs and try not to fall over. Then like shakily make my way up the stairs and hopefully I made it to the foot of the bed before I had another contraction. <laughs> was Patrick passed out? I think he was pretending to sleep. <laughs> he knew that until I said something to him, I probably yeah. didn't want him involved. Yeah, good thing. Yeah. He knows you at this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so for a while I was, you know, going back up and down the stairs and sort of kneeling at the foot of the bed. And at some point I was like, this is odd contraction patterns. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they were coming like three in a row, one would almost go and then another would come and there wouldn't be a any sort of break for three contractions. I was like, maybe the baby's in a weird position, maybe I can just like chill everything out and mm -hmm. go to sleep for a couple hours mm. so I tried I ran a bath at I don't know maybe three or four in the morning everyone was still asleep it was still dark out I had to find a candle because I did not want to turn a light on which meant I had to go all the way downstairs oh goodness and that was so many contractions worth of stairs two flights of stairs <laughs> yeah down and up mm-hmm well I guess down two and up one yeah, so I took a bath, and it didn't make anything less uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It didn't space out the contractions. I tried to, like, stay sort of upright or leaning forward to see if I could get him into a different position. I didn't, I wasn't, like, actively doing any gymnastics or spinning babies or whatever, but just, you know, trying to stay mobile and moving. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of contractions like leaning over the sink and circling my hips and mm. the pattern just didn't change the entire labor for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting because, well, I woke up around 7.30 or something and I was like, why is there a cold full bath? <laughs> Patrick. I guess he came downstairs to get something. I was like, Patrick, What's up with the bath? He's like, oh, I think Mabel's in labor. And I was like, what? Yeah, I'd already oh been God. kind of moaning at that point. I think I'd thrown up maybe twice, maybe yeah. just once. But it was funny because I was like, I think, he was like, I think she's starting. <laughs> he would have been in it for Aww. many, many hours. But yeah. 
I had a little freak out on the floor. I was so excited. Aww. And I was like, okay, does she want me up there? Does she not want me up there? I, I can't remember if I asked him if it was okay for me to come up. To ask you what? Yeah. You I noticed. Up. I came up and I noticed. I mean, you had. I think. I don't know if you told me that they were just on top of each other, but. You came up while. I don't know. It felt like the sunshine was coming. Like you were so excited. You were like, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and then I think you. At some point, you decided to time the contractions. Uh huh. And so you sort of asked me to tell you when they started and stopped. Uh-huh. And it was. Very confusing for yeah. both of us. Yeah. Because yeah, I was, like, already not really talking at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for, like, yeah. yeah. You just kept saying, like, I'm not really that into this. I just wanted a break for, like, a minute. Yeah. Just to I, catch I, I totally my breath. And, like, you. I didn't even feel like I had time to really register that I was in labor. It was just, like, just deal with what's happening right now. And you mm. can think about the bigger picture of things. When you get a break, which mm. never happened. Mm. Until you had a baby. In yeah. Arms. So I felt like I was just mm-hmm. all the way in it from the beginning, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, I mean, I can't speak for myself because I've never experienced that, but witnessing births that kind of have that flow, very fast flow, it, mm-hmm. it seems from what I've observed to be pretty challenging to like digest that Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I felt like I was able to digest it well afterwards but Mm -hmm. in the moment there there just wasn't time to think about what was happening like I didn't even think about the midwife I was like oh right that lady she's supposed to be here (laughs) I just totally didn't register that I'm in labor maybe I should call the midwife oh wow I was just like this thing is happening and I'm doing it wow that's so I was a little bit, I don't want to say concerned, but, like, my ears were perked up. Like, mm-hmm. something seems strange about, like, about these contractions. And, and I told her, like, what's up with this? And she didn't really seem concerned, but she was also like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of where we were at. Like, that's where we're still at. Okay, and this is weird. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, just keep our eyes and ears open. But I think you told her what the timing was. She was like, oh, okay, I'm coming right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's not super clear to me when she came. I think she got here. I asked her to send me the notes that she took. Mm. And they're very hard to read. But mm. I think she got here at like 9.45 maybe. Okay. Maybe 9. Yeah. I feel like at that point we were just downstairs. I don't remember her being in your room at all. No, I was on the toilet at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I'd already been naked for a long time, wrapped up in big old blankets and a Uh robe. Uh Oh, my pink fluffy socks. Yeah. And then we set up a tub outside. Yeah, so I was laboring on the toilet, which was the most reasonable is not the word, but like it felt the most tolerable. I don't know what's going on out there. Some strange talking. (laughs) Anyways... Um, laboring on the toilet, covered in a blanket. Oh, wait, first, before I went to the toilet, I remember saying to Sarah something like, so you're not going to make very good pictures or something. Uh Yeah, I was trying to take some photos of her, and she was like, these pictures are going to be terrible. I'm just a lump of blankets. (laughs) 
I really wanted to have really nice birth pictures that uh -huh. we could use for our website or whatever. Yeah. And so even at that time, I was like, oh, this is not going to work. I can't use this. Yeah. But Danica did come at one point. She was here. Yeah. And did she get photos that you liked? Yeah, some of them. <laughs> okay. Chronological storytelling, not yes. a skill of mine. Yes. So, I was on the toilet. I was having contractions. They were very fast. They... I don't feel like they were especially long. I couldn't tell you time-wise, but they seemed reasonably short, but just continuous. Yeah. Um, I was trying to eat cherries, and Patrick got me a bar at some point, and he gave me, like, the teeny tiniest nibble of a bar, and I couldn't chew it all the way before the next contraction came. Aww, and I that feeling of food in my mouth during a contraction was Aww. just probably worse than the contraction itself. <laughs> so I told myself, and I think I told everyone, that I'm going to be the best at eating. I was, like, really hyping myself up for it. I was this like, was I'm before labor. all of the food, and I'm just going to be so good at it, and I'm going to remember to eat, and you're going to feed me, and I'm not going to be grumpy about it. I'm just going to eat lots of food. That was... You know, I was preparing myself for that, but then when I couldn't even eat a cherry between a contraction, it was a little, a little you're, challenging. You were humbled. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's still my goal for next time. Yeah. It's just sometimes easier said than done. Yes. Okay, so you're in the bathroom for a while. We filled up the tub. Oh, yeah, that was so funny. At one point, we had... Uh, <laughs> it's in the middle of winter, right? And we have, like... We have a big rug up here in the room. We had a tarp down over the rug so it didn't get all wet. We got the tub all blown up. I think I had a blanket on top of the tarp so it wasn't slippery. Right, yes. And then Patrick, like, turned the hot water on, like, full blast, and the hose just, like, <laughs> shoots out of the tub and it sprays all over the ceiling, the wall, and the window. It was like... <laughs> That was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I was in the bathroom when I heard it, and I was like, those guys, they got to just get it together. <laughs> But I was also <laughs> laughing. Yeah, it was it was good. Mm -hmm. And so you got it in the tub. Well, at first I was just noticing when I was on the toilet, I was like all leaned over, bent over, whatever. And I still can't quite figure out, you know, sort of like a chicken and the egg situation, but some contractions, I was imagining my uterus like a hot air balloon. Mm. And when I did that for those contractions... It seemed super manageable, like not even really painful. I was like, oh, okay, this is a contraction. This can, is great. Can you, I heard you say this the other day, and I'm just curious, like, what qualities of a hot air balloon? I'm just curious. Okay, like, well, I was can thinking you go about into that this. a little bit more. Yes, the reason is because when I picture a uterus, you got the fundus on top, mm -hmm. and then there's the ropes coming down the side. I don't know that much about hot air balloon anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I see ropes coming down the side. And so I was thinking of, the fundus tightening and pulling up the ropes to pull up the little hot air balloon inlet where the gas comes up. Uh-huh. It was all very anatomical and, <laughs> you know, at one point I was like, this, this is not romantic, like imagine a rose opening. I was like, no, it's got to be a hot air balloon. <laughs> so it was a hot air balloon. The ropes were pulling up the bottom and the top was tightening and the baby was coming out. For those of you who don't know, my dad flies hot air balloons. Not yes. that this really matters that much. No, I was thinking about Steve, too. <laughs> That's so funny. We but I was saying tell. that I don't know if it was the chicken or an egg situation because I don't know if it was because of that 
visualization and that presence of mind that the contractions were more mm. manageable or if it was that happened to be a like a light contraction so I was able to think that interesting yeah mm. but it's definitely something that I'm curious to experiment mm -hmm. with more next time yeah because if the whole labor could have gone like that that would have been like no mm. big deal interesting I and I don't know if it was that my brain wasn't strong enough or that sometimes the sensations were just so much stronger I feel like there's definitely a lot of power in visualization and like being super connected to a part of your body through mm -hmm. I mean, I think the visualization helps create that connection, but I could say something similar along the lines with my birth with Cielo, with, like, the visualization of my yoni opening. And, like, just, yeah, we can, I mean, I spoke about that previously, but it feels like a similar thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of, that's real, for sure. Um... Okay, so the hot air balloon. So how long, how long, how long were you doing the hot air balloon visualizations? It was just on and off when uh -huh. I when I was able to. Uh huh. Um, at some point there, when I was in the bathroom, my waters broke. I think. I can't remember honestly. I, I was on the toilet. I was like, I think something just popped, and that was oh, that's that was funny, the extent of it. I. When the hose sprayed, I was like, oh, is her water going to break soon? Mm -hmm. Like, was that the... Yeah, it was probably around the same And time. I think it was, because, yeah. I think, I mean, you got in the bath not too long after that. Mm -hmm. In the tub? Yeah. Yeah, when the midwife got here, she checked my blood pressure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah, I... So, for those of you who are into astrology, I have a moon in Capricorn. And... It feels very relevant in my life, even if you don't believe in astrology. It's definitely a strong archetype in me of this sort of, like, very no-nonsense. Like, even my emotional world is straightforward and humorous in a very dry sort of way. Mm -hmm. And so even during this, like, super intense, not comfortable brain is on another planet experience, I was also in the little details of things and like, oh, that was my water breaking. And I remember I was like looking in the toilet. I was like, is there anything there? No, not really. And the midwife checked my blood pressure and I was kind of laughing to myself. I was like, you didn't check it at all in pregnancy. Like, well, maybe she did once. <laughs> I was like, what are you going to find out now? Nothing. Also, because I'm fine, you're not going to find out anything. But I didn't feel like it was just too much energy to dissent. So I was like, whatever, I don't care, mm. do it. Mm. Yeah, wow, something to be... Something that has been very thoroughly investigated in these past couple of months, and we can talk more about that. What? Just that attitude of, like, I don't care and you want to do it, so... Oh, well, yeah, well, I was also just, like, thinking of that, how common of a theme that is in, for women, mm -hmm. and how I feel like I think that a lot of women f feel, uh, I, I don't want to speak for them, but this is my un feeling, is like, 
during their labor, there gets to a point where you're just so exhausted, whether it be at home or in the hospital, and, you know, things are being done, and it's just kind of like, okay, whatever, do it. And mm -hmm. I think for some ladies, looking back, they're like, oh, I, I failed, or like, whatever, mm -hmm. I was weak, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't, I just wonder if there's a different label for that, you know, yeah. just like, not a weakness, but just recognizing like the vulnerability that one is mm -hmm. in in such a profound you know profoundly intense and all your walls are down yeah i don't i didn't think of it at the time and i don't think of it now as i was feeling weak i just i didn't i had other things to care about mm. i was like very low on my list of things to mm -hmm. care about mm -hmm. and even at the last visit I let her, I put that in quotes too, take mm. my blood pressure. She was like, come on, like throw your midwife some crumbs or whatever. And I was like, whatever, I don't care. That's a really strange, yeah, odd, interesting thing to say. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But I just, I mean, she didn't push back when I said no to things, but there's definitely part of my psyche that feels uncomfortable with disagreeing with whoever is in some way in charge or like the authority mm -hmm. even though in my conscious brain I'm very aware and very clear that the midwife was in no way an authority of my pregnancy or my body or my birth hmm. there's definitely a part of whatever you want to call it like inner child that's like, it's just a little extra work to say no than just to appease and consent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not consent. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, comply? Yeah, there we go. Wow, I'm so glad I got that. <laughs> <laughs> so even in labor, it was the same thing. I was like, whatever, I don't really want you to, but I honestly don't really care that much, and you want to do it, so if it's going to make you happy, go for it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with listening to him with a Doppler. I was like, I know he's fine. I'm feeling him moving all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you want to listen to him, if it makes you less stressed and you feel like you can be further away from me mm. because you've taken this measurement, then do it. Mm. So I think she listened to him like three or four times. I honestly don't really remember it more than twice, but looking in the notes. I guess this is one reason why it's good to do the birth story. Not seven months later because <laughs> things are a little more clear. Yeah, and at the same time, it doesn't really matter. No, like, clearly that was an important part of the yeah, story. totally, totally. And that's where we're going to leave off for today. Uh, we'll have the next half of the story, which is slightly less cohesive and on a timeline, um, for you next week. It just didn't quite all fit in one episode length. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned.